0: Have another hand of praise for these folks. God bless you. Thank you for using your gifts today. Great to see you out here as they're getting this uh, little podium set up. Today's a little bit different. We had a little uh, glitch. We did film the uh, service to show uh, last night and this morning that people typically will be watching, except there was a glitch in some of the Machinery that we use, and Scott informed me that uh, we have some options to make today, and this was one of those to shoot this live. So you're going to be live today, right? Wait, so am I. That's right. <laughs> so that, they're, actually, they're going to do that, and they're going to be able to show that. Am I right, Scott? Do you have my good side on there? <laughs> that there is none. No, just kidding. Anyway, so he's put all these things together so we can have this out here today, and they'll be seeing it just as you are. So let me say this to you today. It's August, is August 2nd, August 23rd. We're going to be back inside, okay? Yeah. Going to be back inside. We'll be doing three services, 9 o'clock, 1115, and 4 o'clock. We'll have time in between those. Yes, I see some hands going up. Be able to do some cleaning and all the things we need to do, but we're looking at that. It coincides with the start of school and all that, but we're looking at that, so we'll be out here for two more weeks after this, then back inside. Thank you in advance. Continue to get the word out. It's on social media and on our site, but just wanted to let you be aware of that, and thank you, Lord, for the breeze today that you have given us. (laughs) I'm going to have to go like that since I've got my notes here, because it is breezy out here, isn't it? Which is a good thing, so I'd rather have that, but if my notes fly that way, wherever. Wherever they land, you picked them right up and you come and keep preaching it, okay? Thank you. So that's a good word for all of us. And ladies and gentlemen, let me also say this. Let's get to get ready to start this message. Understand something that's very important. There's people in this nation that want to destroy our way of life. Do you believe that? And it's up to you as believers to get out the word. They want to change their way of life and what we've been doing some people out there that want to do that and seize the kinds of things that we've held near and dear. Be mindful of that. Be careful with that. Don't back down from truth, okay? Don't be a compromiser in that way. Speak the truth so while well, I get that word out. Public service announcement from your pastor, okay? All right. I just was looking up a few days ago, Wow, we almost had a 10-minute sermon there. (laughs) I was uh, looking up the amount of debt that each American owes, and and, uh, they had a total for all of that in the United States. It's $14.1 trillion. Can you imagine that? $14.1 trillion. That's a lot, right? Can anyone write a check for that? Maybe the United States government can, but it will bounce, right? (laughs) But that's right, it wouldn't be good. Bottom line is, there's a whole lot of debt out there. But I wanna raise a question with you and I pray in your mind, you will go over this. I asked the deacons this morning as they came in to pray and it's a rhetorical question, but I wanna fill in some blanks with it because the word of God gives us something prescriptive on how we're to handle life. How much do we owe God we know what the national debt is we know what the debt of each American is as far as credit cards mortgages and all that how much do we owe God how much do you owe God as we look at today's message we're going to look at some of those issues that have to deal with what do we do in response to that question I just said what debt do we owe God Let's look at it. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Ephesians 4, 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And whereas there is a debt that we could never repay. In fact, there's even a song that goes like that. I owe a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt, right? Right? for us. There is something we can do. There is something the word of God urges us to do. Whereas there is no amount of anything we could do to repay God for what he's done. And I believe that's one of the reasons heaven is forever, because we'd be able to say thank you forever for a debt that we could never repay. But there is something we can do. We're going to look at that word of God's prescriptive. First of all, how much do we owe God? Let me just give us some reminders, things you're already aware of. First of all, what did God do for us? He, he gave us a substitute to die in our place. He didn't call on each one of us to come and die for us. First of all, we couldn't pay for our own sin anyway. He called a substitute, the perfect sacrifice, Christ. He didn't die with a lethal injection. He died a cruel, ugly death on a cross. Flogged before that within an inch of his life, then nailed to a cross, and humiliation to bleed and die, where he paid for my sins, your sins, the sins of the world, rose from the tomb three days later and offered eternal life. He provided a substitute. Has anybody provided a substitute for you like that? God did. He took our punishment. He took our punishment. Our God did that for us. It's amazing, isn't it? Thirdly, he justified us. A simple theological explanation of the term justified goes like this. You've heard it probably many times. Just if I'd never sinned. God did that for us. Forgave it all. He gave us an abundant life on this earth that would be possible. Let me say this. Not all believers live the abundant life because they choose poorly. They want to be secret agents. They want to have a Jesus that they believe in. And there's a lot of pseudo-Christians out there. They're not real. They claim a Jesus that's not the biblical Jesus. But if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ and you understand his mandates found in the word of God, then he made it possible for us to live an abundant life on this earth. How much do we owe God? He prepared us a heavenly home. More and more, I look forward to heaven, don't you? More and more, he prepared us a heavenly home. And you're not going to get to that place in heaven and be disappointed and say, doggone, I wish I had gone to the other place. I don't like this. You're not going to say that. Heaven, out of all the things that heaven will be, you will have the opportunity to look at Jesus and say, thank you. Thank you. He prepared a heavenly home for us. And six, he calls us his own, right? He calls us his own. John 1, 12, as many as received him to those he gave their power to become the children of God. How much do we owe God? That's touching the tip of the iceberg of what God has done for us. That he has the grace to call us his own. Now, so what can we do about it? How do we repay that debt? It's impossible to repay that debt. With debt we can never repay, but there is one thing that we must do. The word of God says in Ephesians 4.1, we must walk worthy of our calling. And I want to say today as I've been called to preach and teach the word of God and the whole counsel of God. I'm not here to say everyone's getting it done right. And I'm not saying I get it done perfectly, no one does. But God does call us to give effort to that, to seek to do that when we fail to pick ourselves up, to live a life worthy of the calling. A lot of believers are not doing that. They live the road of convenience, secret agents. They don't live it. They hide behind slogans like, well, God's sovereign, whatever happens will happen. Let me say this to you God and His sovereignty. God in His sovereignty, as you're even watching this later, has said to me and said to you, You better occupy until I come back. You better stay busy about the truth, the gospel, and getting it out there till I get back. And not rest on God is sovereign. Of course, God is sovereign. Don't you trust God, Pastor? Yes, I do. You know how I drive? With my eyes open. That's right. Why don't you close them? Don't you trust God? God has given us his word, his spirit, his instruction to do and make right choices and to stay busy for him. Period. So I absolutely trust in that. But you better be able to do and walk a walk that is worthy of the calling that you have. It doesn't say sit and and have a, a, a walk. It says get up. And walk in your life and live it with the dignity that you truly know you owe a debt to God. And God doesn't need gold. He doesn't need stuff. God's looking for people that want to walk worthy of what he's already done for them. Worthy of that calling. Now, what is that one thing we must do in that worthy walk? Well, we're going to look at a handful of things today, five of them. We are to be in Ephesians four two. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. The word of God is very prescriptive. It tells us how to walk worthy. So if you're asking the question, what is the the evidence of a worthy walk? There's there's things that we find in this passage, verses one, two, and three of Ephesians four, that are prescriptive to us. Here they are. It says, be completely humble. Now, lots of people have the wrong understanding of humility they because false humility is the worst form of pride and virtue casting real humility is the trait of controlling self interest the trait of controlling self interest now Think about this in Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. This is the Christian trait. No matter who takes over politically or in the world or whatever happens, this is what real believers believe and have always believed. Esteem others better than yourselves. It takes care of a lot of problems. Do I hear an amen? It takes care of a lot of problems. That's what the church always does. It's what we're about. It's what we're about here and what God's church is about. Matthew twenty-three, twelve says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. God talks about humility all through his word. You see, a humble spirit is even necessary for salvation. And In Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 and 4, listen carefully. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you realize humility is required? It's necessary for salvation. You have to come like a child. Children just have a tendency just to believe they want to believe. They're humble. They're not looking to write a resume. Not many four, or six, or eight-year-olds are writing a resume. Put someone on there. Tell how great they are. They just want to serve and love. You have to become like a child in childlike faith. Scripture describes how humility is developed. Humility is developed when we start looking at how to minister how to use our lives, use our gifts, use our abilities. And stop looking at position, ambition, recognition, look at me. That's what Scripture describes. And when you look in Matthew eleven twenty nine, here's what Jesus says. Well, pastor, how do I do that? It's inherent within me to look at my self-interest, to look at my ambition, to look at who I am, to look at my position. Here's what Jesus said. Take my yoke upon you, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, and learn from me. Want to learn about humility? Jesus says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. In a restless world, says, learn from me. Learn from me. I make it a point to read. I cycle through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Continue to read. Nuggets unfold all the time where things I'm reminded of. Jesus said, learn from me. God tells us. You want to learn about humility? That's what you do. Jesus, who took on the form of a servant, learn from me. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the might, God's mighty hand, that he, he may lift you up in due time. See, humility comes from a person humbly coming to Christ, owning their sins. A lot of people don't want to own their sins. They don't want to admit their sinner because it'll make them less than. But you see what the irony is with God, He says, Own who you are and I'll lift you up. It's the opposite. The more a person gets entrenched in how great they are and how much they can do and don't want to own their sinfulness and their wrong decisions the more they get entrenched in it. But God says, I, here's the irony. You confess it and you deal with it, you own it. I'll lift you up. Humility re- results in a person coming to Christ and then learning from Christ. And to help us learn, he gives us the Holy Spirit of God and the fruit of the Spirit so we can learn, so we can receive it, so God can change our sinful, self-centered lives into a Christ-centered life and a biblical life. How much do we owe God? I've got some coins here. The old saying is, don't take these. They're called wooden nickels. How many have ever seen wooden nickels before? Right? They're just little token kinds of things. There's different ones here. One's even from a, a, a service station here. It says, don't take wooden nickels for the real value. Turn over, and you turn it over. It says, free car wash at Jim's Amico on Bessemer Avenue. Anyone remember Jim's amico? Is that even still there? Okay. Jim may be gone, right? That's from a long time ago. There's other ones that are here. You see, basically, other than a little collectible thing, they're they're worthless. You're not going to go in and pay for something. Well, can you buy anything for a nickel anymore? Maybe advice, I don't know. You're not going to go in and pay a debt with wooden nickels. But God says there is a way. There is something you can do since you can never repay the debt that you owe. But I want you to walk a life that is worthy of the calling you have, and it starts with humility. Secondly, it's a walk of gentleness. That's what verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 4 says. Now, people also misunderstood uh, I, I misunderstand what gentleness is. They say Jesus was gentle. Read through the Gospels. Look how gentleness is displayed in the life of Jesus. Gentleness is not a weak state of mind. It's not whatever. You want to believe that, it's okay. Well, I, you know, it's all right. It's not apathy. It's not a weak state of mind. Gentleness steps in with the right kind of anger. Hear what I said? doesn't sound like gentleness does it, but it is. Gentleness steps in with the right kind of anger. God teaches us how to do that. You see, it's a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.23. It says, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Philippians 4.5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, the Word of God tells us how to control our anger. But if you look in the Word of God, you'll find there's places where Jesus displays anger. And I pray that you're angry at some of the things that are taking place in our world. Are you? Thank you. I am too. It's the right kind of anger. You see, the wrong kind of anger sees it and does nothing about it. Keeps their mouth closed. Says, well, whatever. God's sovereign and hides behind that. Cowardly Christians. God says, have the right kind of anger. Do something about it. Make good choices. Make the right choices. Be a witness. Tell the truth. Don't be afraid to stand on the truth. When you become a Christian, if you were ignorant before you were a Christian, unless you learn and study and see what God would have for you, you'll remain ignorant. You may be saved, but ignorant. God's people are not to be ignorant. We're to learn and look and to be diligent. The world has gotten into the mess that it's in, because too many Christians have been silent Christians. Gentleness steps in with the right kind of anger. You see, the right kind of anger propels people to make the right kinds of decisions, to say the right kinds of things, to stand up when they need to stand up, not to sit down. The Word of God tells us explicitly in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, But in your hearts always set Christ apart as Lord. Be always prepared to give anyone who asks you reason the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep me a clear conscience. So those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, there's a time to be angry. The Bible even talks about it. Be angry and sin not. But if you want to walk a walk that is worthy, of course you have to have humility. But God says, I want you to have a gentleness about you also. I want you to be able to step in with the right kind of anger. I want you to be able to be in passion so that you can go forward and speak that truth and say that truth. And if you're not angry about some things in this world what sinfulness has brought in, then maybe you better check in to see if you've really come to Christ and really put him into your life. The Bible tells us we have to have humility and gentleness, but it also says in verse 2, what does a worthy walk look like? It's a walk of patience. It says be patient, completely humble, gentle. And patient. Macrothumia. It's long suffering. It's where that word comes from. 2 Peter 3 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient, macrothumia, with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. A quality life is a life that practices the long suffering. Let me say this even with God, there is a point that people outlive their shelf life for God's long suffering. That's a fast guy right there. Good for you. Got that umbrella. Was blown. That's how breezy it is here. If you're not here today, you're missing this breeze. And all the folks here today got those $1,000 gift certificates to one of these big chain stores. Isn't that good? Just, just kidding. All right. Bottom line is, God says we're to practice that kind of long suffering. And there's a time even Jesus says, shake the dust from your feet. But he doesn't say shake it in the first five minutes. Put forth the effort. Sometimes it may be days, weeks, months, or some years. But there's a time where you're just bringing more judgment on a person, you're bringing more hurt to a situation, and you're appeasing the wrong kind of thing. God never says to sell your dignity, your self-respect at the door and you become a Christian. Carry your dignity and self-respect. Carry it for a time to where there's a time where Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. They'll trample it. But have that ultimately in your mind to look at the situation and to weigh it out and be guided by the Spirit. When enough is enough, practice your long-suffering some other place. Psalm 41, David says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Sometimes in doing that, it takes a while. And sometimes people will turn and sometimes they won't turn. And sometimes God will give you an answer that you can get quicker than others. But David said, I waited on the Lord. The most important fact of that is, I waited on the Lord and he heard my cry. God hears your cry. He hears my cry. James 1, 3 and 4, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You can never really mature as a human being until you come fully to Christ. That's not true, Pastor. I know uh, people that don't know Jesus or even believe the Bible and they're mature. They may have gotten older, They may make some wise decisions regarding the world because remember, all truth is God's truth. And even if a business that's owned by an atheist practices honest and integrity and good value with their their products, they'll be blessed. So God's principles work, period. Gravity works on believers and unbelievers alike, doesn't it? But God says, I want you to be different. I want you to have a different look at this thing. I want you to mature in the sense that you look more and more like my son Jesus. I want you to have that kind of patience and know when it is time to move forward. There were times where Jesus said, Shake the dust from your feet. So spend time, but don't spin wheels for the rest of your life unless God says to spin wheels for the rest of your life. There may be some exceptions. Get it done. It's a quality of a worthy walk for Christ. Humility, gentleness, patience, which is long-suffering, and bearing with one another in love. How much do we owe God? You see, God showed his love. It's one of the most probably most quoted verses of the Bible, maybe other than Jesus wept, maybe. And then those that have substance abuse issues, a little wine for the stomach's sake, right? But for believers and even people, unbelievers, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. What does a worthy walk look like? It's a walk of love. Of course, it's a walk of humility. It's a walk of gentleness. It's a walk of patience. But it's a walk of love. Bearing with one another in love. With one another. Church of emphasis. Church of Ephesus, listen to me. Church at Lawndale, listen to me. It's love for the ungodly. Romans 5 6. You see, just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It's a love for the unworthy in Romans 5 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's a whole lot of ungodliness going on around this world, right here in our community. And it's a love for the undeserving. Romans 5.10. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? There's something very important about exhibiting the kind of love that we've looked in a little microcosm of what it looks like. It's love for the ungodly, love for the unworthy, love for the undeserving. It needs to be carried out in such a way that People can see that even when they disagree, and sometimes they will. And even those who will never believe, it says in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, do it anyway that they can be ashamed that they slandered you for that. Because so many people have been given grace by you that have spit on it, that have abused it. Learn and understand that God wants his people to walk bearing with one another in love. That starts right here. In God's kingdom right here. It's how the world sees we act differently. We own our junk. We own the things we need to. We get done but active actively loving the world. And some people will reject it and some will receive it. Do you think that I believe that every person that comes to the feeding of the 5000 is coming to hear a gospel message? Do you think I believe that? Do you think that I believe you believe that? No. What I do believe is this: they have the opportunity to hear it. Vastly different, isn't it? Do you think that every person come to the Christmas program is looking uh, for the answer to Christmas? No. Some are just coming for lots of other reasons. However, when they come, they will hear the truth. Same thing with Fall Spectacular. Same thing with our Shepherd Shelf where people continue to come week after week. The same thing with our uh, Lilies of the Field ministry. All those ministries. We're looking for inroads into people's lives. Bearing with one another in love. And love is visible. Love is transitive. Love always carries something with it. There's a time that people will stand in judgment. Every person that stands before God, that has been at some of those meetings, and say, you never told me, be telling a lie. I believe God will bring it back to them. Yes, I did tell you. You got in line or stayed and came to a service for the wrong reason. But I brought the truth to you, even though you came for the wrong reason. That's why we do it. But some, that will stand a judgment to them. In Ephesians 4.3, I'm going to dwell here for a little bit because it's important. Of course, God wants us to walk a life that is worthy. Walk that worthy walk for me. You can never repay me. God doesn't take wooden nickels, does he? He doesn't need it. Streets of gold in heaven are actually translucent. He wants us to walk humbly, gently, patiently, and lovingly. But he also wants us to walk, how does it say in verse three of Ephesians chapter four, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. You know what? The devil looks for little cracks in any church that's teaching and preaching the gospel. So let me ask you, how would you handle the last few months of what's been going on? Right? There's probably 150 different answers just in this room right, or just in this parking lot or in your room at home. Lots of different answers, aren't there? And there's some that no doubt, not only here but any other place, that would seek to bring about disunity. Well, we should have done this. We should have done that. Or why can't we do this? You know when kids say to their parents, why can't I stay out till midnight? I'm 14, I know what I'm doing. Right? Now, I'm not trying to compare anyone to a child or in that sense. But I am saying this. Unless you have all the information, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay? You just don't. As ugly as that sounds, as self-serving as that sounds, I don't mean it that way but only because of my position do I have some of that information that doesn't need to go out. So be sowers of unity. Thank God for what we can do and what we have done. Thank you, classes that have been meeting on Zoom. Thank you for the ones that make the effort to come here and meet week in and week out. Thank you, discipleship groups that are still meeting and doing what they're doing out there. Thank you. Understand something. And even right now, I don't know who's here that's from the community or not. I would tell you we've had people in services in here, I'm saying it generally, that are not friends with the cross, that watch what we do, watch what we say, and watch how we interact in this day and time, that would love to see some kind of medical failure right here at Lawndale Baptist Church. They'd love to plaster it over the the internet and then the newspapers and everything else. Understand that. I have the best interest of this place at heart, along with so many other pastors. And I hear from different churches, "What are y- y'all are going to get back? We're, our church isn't getting back yet. They're not going to do it to what? I say, listen to your pastor. You may not know that there's a whole group that have come back from someplace that would have been in a service, that would have infected a service, It maybe even caused someone harm or death and brought about an incredibly discouraging testimony, and it's happened right here in, in the States. And the media is quick to jump on it, quick. The Word of God says, be wise as serpent, harmless as doves. And sometimes the church itself trips itself because someone else knows better. But because of the call on my life as a pastor and other pastors, I... I answered to God. And what I mean by that is that's the most humble thing a person can ever imagine. Cuz I want to be back together. I want to do that. If it was only that easy. It's not. Some people make it simplistic. Some people want to ride a first amendment kind of a thing. I understand about the first amendment. That's going to do you little good when you're quarantined or some other thing that it, Might have happened, happened. Gonna do you a little good to say that. I want to do what's right, and even when we come back, there may be something of that nature where someone does come back infected. But at least we're practicing due diligence. We'll be social distance inside. We will have rows all roped off. We'll be separated. And we'll have time between services to do what's right. We'll have a separate service at four o'clock for seniors or those that want to come that may have a, a compromised immune system. They can come to that service. Least amount of people on this campus at that time. We're designing with all those things in mind. Now, pastor, you talked about humility, gentleness, patience, and love as a walk that's worthy. But yes, unity, unity of the spirit. You see, the world doesn't have unity or they unify around things that are ungodly and wrong. If anything, we need to rally around the unity of the body, period. What does it look like? It's a walk of unity. Listen carefully. You've never heard something different from me. I believe in one race, the human race, period. I've said that from day one here. I've always said it. Period. Because I'm a Christian. Not even because I'm a pastor. Because I'm a Christian. And if you're a Christian that believes the Bible, you believe the same thing. And when a person comes to Jesus Christ, they come like everyone else. Period. It doesn't matter about the pigment of your skin, what country you're from, how old or young you are. You come like everybody else. You come like a child you come humbly, you own your life, you own your mistakes, you own your sin, and you come to Jesus Christ, not bringing your righteousness, but bringing your failure, your sin, and all that garbage that was heaped upon Christ. Everybody comes the same way when you come to Christ. God wants unity in the church because it's missing in our world. There's a division in this world and it's becoming more and high, higher delineated than it ever has been between sheep and goats. Yes, the apostate church is out there that'll affirm any politically correct idea, and they get the applause of the world. I know you. You want to be biblically correct, not politically correct. Am I right? Yeah. Then give a hand of praise to God if you're standing on the right thing. now, That's not an affront to the things that need to get done. As believers, we always go with that and try to fight for what is right and do what is right. We'll not always win. And there'll always be sinfulness and wrongness in society. And anyone that counts a person's value because of the pigment of their skin is an idiot. I can't believe the pastor said that. I said it because it's true. It's just unbelievably ignorant. We're believers, and as believers, we want to make sure we have unity in our church no matter where you're from or where you've been. If you've come to Christ, you're a brother or sister in Christ, and there needs to be a unifying factor with that. This is not a time to let the fact that we're not meeting on campus be divisive. It's a time to come together even more, and I thank you how you've modeled that. In your classes and how you take care of one another. I say week after week, I always hear testimonies how you're taking care of one another, how you're practicing being the church, how you're going forward in such a way to touch people's lives. People vote with their resources. Thank you for voting to say we believe in the work that God's doing here. So please understand how important it is to maintain that as we go forward. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19 tells us something. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. When you think about the word detestable, you ever eaten something that's detestable? Men, don't raise your hand if your wife made it, okay? Up, there, there it goes. See, it's flying. I told you there was a breeze out here. If you're watching, there is a wonderful breeze out here. That $100 bill just blew away. Whoever got it can keep that $100. He said, bring it over here. <laughs> thank you. See, if you'll, thank you. I appreciate that. Man, that's a great, thank you, Jesus. When you pray for rain, bring an umbrella, right? Pray for a breeze. I just have to moderate it some. Is that, is that, by the way, what's the name of that, that hurricane? It's Isaiah, isn't it, right? Isn't that interesting? You ever read the book of Isaiah? Just interesting, just something to think about. And we're going out there. The Lord, there's six things he hates, seven that are detestable to him. As I said, you ever eat something detestable? I have. You know what happens with it? You spit it out. That's what the word of God's talking about that. It's so hateful to God that he spits it out like it's something that's the grossest thing he can ever put in his mouth a false witness who pours out lies and a man who stirs up dissension among the brothers. You mean believers can do that? Yes. Yep. that's what Satan wants. Stir up disunity. You see, Satan is so good at it. Lest you think that uh, he could never do that in me. Listen carefully. There were angels before the throne of God in heaven and he stirred up dissension there and disunity there, didn't he? Do you think he's not smart enough to do that in churches that declare the gospel? You think he's not smart enough to get in some back road in your life if you give the enemy just a little bit? He caused a rebellion and disunity where God dwelled. That's why the church is to look different. There's six things he hates, seven that are detestable, a false witness who pours out lies and a man who stirs up dissension among the brothers. How much do we owe God? God's going to settle the score for every one of us one day for all the injustice and all the garbage that has taken place. He'll settle it. He's got our backs right now. But it's never settled when we take things in our own hands. It's settled in his ways with his principles and his precepts. So what does a worthy walk look like? It's a walk of humility. It's a walk of gentleness. Steps in with the right kind of anger. It's a walk of patience, macrothumia, long suffering. It's a walk of love for the ungodly, the unworthy, and the undeserving. And it's a walk of unity. The Bible's very clear. And you see, this is to the church in the first century. Because people are people. See, I mean, they were dealing with that in the first century? People are people, aren't they? First thing Adam and Eve did after they sinned, what? They went and hid. Because it's human to want to look less than perfect. It's human to want to hide our sin and say we're really okay and you're wrong. But God, he just took it upon himself to pay a debt he didn't owe. Aren't you glad for Jesus? As we continue to go forward, let God keep that bond of unity like it is. Let's keep going strong for him. Be praying about the 23rd and what God's going to begin to do. But let me say this to you. Even meeting out here. I've had discussions two out of the three weeks with people who don't attend here that have been touched through this enough to ask some questions regarding salvation issues. I was going to say salvific, salvation issues. So God's used us out here and God uses all kinds of things. I don't want to thank you. I know it's a little bit warm in that sun. You're going to be through in one minute, okay? How much do you owe God? can never repay it but you can as the word of god says in ephesians 4 i urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have in christ jesus and those five elements will determine and show you in a microcosm of what your walk looks like bow as we pray heavenly father today we thank you for the power that's found through your holy spirit and in your word i pray god for the protection of this church We know there are enemies of the cross in our world that would seek to destroy anything they can, get any inroad into destroying your church. Not only this one, other churches that declare the gospel. God, we know there are people politically that would seek to legislate things that are unbiblical, things we would never agree with, things that are absolutely abhorrent to you. And we pray for our protection there also, God. That we practice due diligence in our decisions, in elections, local, national, all those things. In our lives, in our businesses, in our schools. That we are wise. Lord, your word tells us the children of the world are shrewder with their kind than the children of the kingdom of God. Help us to be biblically shrewd and right. Help us to practice those qualities that you've said. And to walk a walk that is worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been watching, thank you for watching at home. And God bless all of you that have been here. Give God a hand of praise for today. Thank you for being here. God bless you.